0: Most wonderful show is Keeping Up
1: With The Joneses. AJ Jones, we're back. Yes, we are. I'm back from fighting sickness like a warrior.
2: Okay. Sure. <laughs> a sleeping warrior, a bedridden warrior.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry there was no podcast last week. I, mm. I really miss podcasting. And we tried to do something fun with the kids, didn't we? We did. But what was the problem?
2: The problem was uh, they're all quite fascinated which makes sense with the sound of their own voice in their ears
1: right uh and so (laughs) in previous years what we've done is we've had them in the studio one at a time oh really and then we mixed them all together to make it sound like they're all in the room together you full of enthusiasm put all of them in the studio and just hit record yeah and then handed it to me like hey edit this and make it sound (laughs) good
2: there's got to be something you can pull out of it there was lots of cute little
1: bits well, there was, but they weren't facing into the microphone. Or MJ was just going, hello, <laughs> over and over again. He was like fascinated with the yeah. sound of his voice. He, he get so excited after he said hello. <laughs> so it was going to be highly amusing, but it didn't work. I'm so sorry. And then I was sick as a dog. I was sick for five days.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it was more like six days. Were
1: you worried about me at all? No. Why? Just because you knew my resilience? Um, no. No. Why were you not worried? Um. Well, because... You had no time. You I,
2: just... Yeah, I was too busy running around like a headless chicken.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What was it?
2: You say it was called viral laryngitis. Well... I thought it was intense man flu.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I don't... I didn't come up with viral laryngitis. My doctor told me that. So I went to see my GP twice. Yeah. The second time because you thought they didn't do it properly.
2: Well, I was advised that it was... The, there was the potential that you hadn't been swapped correctly. Right. And so I thought, oh, and because another friend of ours said that their uncle had died of strep throat. I was like, oh, uh, maybe you should get swapped again.
1: Right. You know that I'm, I am not the type of person who's like, I'll just rough it out. The first day that my throat was sore, I was like, because what typically happens is I'll be like, oh no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then eventually I get knocked on my back and then I go to the doctor. And I just thought, no, I'm going to go straight to the doctor. If this is strep throat, we'll just get antibiotics. We'll knock it out, even though I hate taking antibiotics. That's what we'll do. But they swabbed me, negative for that. Then they took my blood and said, let's test it for mono. And no, it was negative for that. And they just said, I'm sorry, it's just some viral laryngitis, which is a posh way of saying you have a sore throat. But it sounds much more cooler if I say. Yeah, it really does. Viral laryngitis.
2: Yeah, I had viral laryngitis.
1: (laughs) So I stayed in bed for five days. <laughs> you did. Exhausted. It. Yeah. And God bless you. You just ran everything. I did. The ministry, the house, yep. the kids. Yep. Everything. Emceed
2: some of the conference, all that stuff.
1: I missed all of the conference. You did. I was so excited about having declares. I got to none of the sessions. I know. I didn't get to meet anybody.
2: It's very sad.
1: I was Alan Naymates, as they would say in Scotland.
2: Alan Naymates.
1: Yeah. No friends.
2: Ah, uh, Naymates.
1: Gotcha. Just on, on my Todd.
2: On your toad. On my own. That's on your toad. Nope. (laughs) By yourself on a (laughs) toadstool.
1: That's fantastic. And then I was supposed to be teaching last week at school, but still hadn't recovered, so you taught.
2: That's right. You just dropped me right in the middle
1: of it. (laughs) I did. And then, bless you, you, you weren't sick, but Wednesday morning you woke up and were just like, I'm not coming to work today. And I was like, are you sick? You were like, no, I think I've just worked 12 now, days in a row without a break.
2: I, well, I had worked 12 days in a row without a break, but um, I thought I was sick. Like, I woke up and I literally felt like, oh my gosh, have i been hit by a truck, I think I'm not okay. I felt dizzy. I felt just totally wonky. So I crawled back into bed and you put the kitties on the bus and went about your day, and I did not wake up until 12.30 in the afternoon.
1: Is there any sense in which you think you had the same thing as me, but because you're a powerful, resilient woman, what took me five, six days to recover took you one day to recover? Is there a subtle well, technically, undertone of that? would
2: be like four hours, but <laughs> no, I, I don't think women can get man flu, even oh. intense man flu. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. No, I don't think I had the same thing as you.
1: That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. So I bounced back about, what, Wednesday, Tuesday? No, Tuesday I went into work. Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, I don't even remember Wednesday, Thursday.
2: Wednesday I stayed home and stayed in bed until seven. That's right. And then Thursday we both worked.
1: Yeah, busy, 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 busy.
2: Yeah, just lots of meetings and things
1: like that. We didn't even get to connect till Friday. And we realized it had been 10 days, like ships in the night. Yeah. Which produces some interesting fruit in relationships, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, I don't think it produces good fruit. Oh I,
1: produces the sourest of fruit.
2: I honestly don't know how marriages survive when the when the one of the spouses travels a lot, other than they must be very good at communicating. Right. Because just even being super busy and kind of missing each other and you know you being asleep or me being asleep and all that kind of stuff it just felt like by the time we got to friday
1: it was like well we didn't even have time to catch each other up on on the week well there's nothing for me to catch up on i was like uh oh, the ceiling <laughs> is still there mm-hmm. uh, but you had to fill me in on a bunch of stuff at work that we, mm-hmm. we just didn't even have time to do that because bless you you're running around like doing everything yeah but i it was horrible re-entry back into oh you're my wife do you remember me i'm your husband we should probably try eating meals together so friday night we fixed all that by having a date we did and we didn't look at our cell phones the whole time we were on a date almost the whole time well we looked at our apple watches <laughs> just to see if it was a babysitter <laughs> yeah but it took us a couple of days to reconnect didn't it it did it did
2: it did feel like a crazy week of just yeah no time for us
1: well we'll talk about that in the the, our main topic for this week is all about catching up on what we've missed in the last two weeks. So mm. we'll talk about that a little bit more. Kay. MJ's birthday party, do you want to talk about that?
2: We had it at Monkey Joe's and there was lots of uh, squealing, uh, jumping, more squealing. And uh, yeah, it was really loud, but it was great because we didn't have it here and we didn't have to either tidy up before or afterwards right. or come up with... You know, a plan to entertain a bunch of kids for two hours, rotating activities every 10 minutes. Right, which, we, instead which we just we gave, gave them passed.
1: sugar and put them into bouncy castles. That's right, it was perfect. And then apologize to parents. <laughs> so
2: sorry. Run along kids. So sorry. <laughs> yeah, so it was good. I, I mean, he
1: loved it. I had a thought earlier today. Yeah. Well, I was raised with three sisters. And my father was not a very outgoing athletic person and I'm not a very outgoing and athletic person but I wondered what kind of boy I would have been if I had a father who loved outdoors and sports and and I'm just wondering if MJ's getting enough man we've often joked that if MJ wants to get into sports we're going to need all my friends to coach him in like basketball and baseball and football yeah and any of those other outdoor sporting things so i know nothing about them but i thought it was so funny watching him in his element i mean of course it was his birthday so he was hyper but he was running around he was as loud as could be louder than we would let him be in the house Mm -hmm. and i thought i wonder if we're crushing that little emerging noisy boy because um do do you know what i'm saying yeah what do you think about that
0: i don't I
2: mean, I don't know. It's not like we're constantly telling him to be quiet. He doesn't seem to be that loud.
1: Yeah, but I'm wondering if home. he would be if he wasn't surrounded by. What would he be like if he had a brother, for example?
2: Oh, well, hard to say. But I know that, like when he's with the other kids at preschool or whatever, that he's definitely a louder version. Mm. So,
1: parents of other boys, let us know your thoughts on that because we only have one and we're not sure if we're raising him right.
2: We're raising him with two girls. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's just going to be a uh, more sensitive version.
1: Who who knows? I, right. Anyway, it was the first time I thought about it today, and I thought, huh, I should probably follow up on that thought. Huh. All right, let's move from meandering through our week mm-hmm. to meandering into what I missed in our week. This is the catch-up episode. It's mainly for my benefit, and everybody else gets to listen in. Talk to me about having declares. What did I miss?
2: Um, wow, it was really good. Uh, really enjoyed Andy Squires and... Um, Him leading worship and just, um, he flows so well with the Holy Spirit. And it, it, it just was really fun um, to watch. And yeah, I just really enjoyed him.
1: I'm super bummed that he's been here twice and I've missed him both times.
2: Yeah, it's a bummer.
1: Yeah. It was really good. All right. How's Leif Hetland? We've heard Leif before. Yeah. But I, mean, I haven't heard him in years.
2: Yeah, I hadn't heard Leif in probably 10 years or so. Really? Um, yeah, I would
1: think so. So at least. what was his message then?
2: Um. Primarily his message was sonship. You know, he's, he spent all weekend referring back to three chairs okay. and saying, you know, there's chair number one, chair number two, and chair number three. And uh, chair number three is the world. It's the Muslims, the Buddhists, the lost, the, the searching, the new agers, the, you know, that that's the world. And, and you're, And we as Christians are either going to view them from chair number one, which is sonship or chair number two, which is really more orphan thinking. So, you know, chair number two being, uh, more threatened by the world, uh, less concerned with helping them more concerned with judging them, that sort of stuff. And, and chair number one being fully seated in sonship, having the father's perspective of people that are lost and dying. So, but he, he, all the way through teaching all weekend long, kept referring back to sitting sitting in chair number one and basically what, what we would teach as sonship.
1: I I just heard amazing things about It was really teaching.
2: good. It was really, really good.
1: And and life as a person as well, like people who got time with him were just saying, he's super present, mm-hmm. super peaceful.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh my, he is. I love that. He's not trying to impress anyone or, you know, you just think, Here's a guy who's led a million Muslims to the Lord and, you know, like, just has seen astronomical things. And he's not, he's not downloading his resume to you when he's talking to you. No, he's just in the room. And even in moments when it could sound like he's downloading his resume because he doesn't have that feel about him, it, he, it feels more like he's celebrating what God has done through his life than celebrating himself. Wow. So,
1: yeah. Good. And then Jamie Galloway. Who we've gotten to know in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's just tremendous fun. Yeah. How, how was Jamie?
2: Oh, I love Jamie. He was good. He, um, you know, he of course spoke. He also ministered prophetically. And so he'd sort of walk through the room at the beginning and pick out a few people and prophesy over them. And then uh, at the end of the service, he'd do the same thing. He'd walk through and, and speak over some people and stuff. So just gave some really cool words. It was quite fun. It was quite fun to watch. I mean, a lot of the people, because it's a conference, you don't know everybody. Right. So it's hard to know, like, you know. Who's who. Who's who, and is, is what he's saying, is that hitting the mark? But, um, you know, a couple of the people that he picked out, we d- we did know quite well. And uh, it was it was awesome. So uh, that was always, it's always fun to watch that, like to watch people get blessed. and
1: He reminds me a little bit of Gary, not necessarily in the way he prophesies, but in his... Zest for life, mm-hmm. just this childlike zeal, childlike zeal, and mm-hmm. and pure joy. I mean, he he feels like he'd be up for anything, anytime. Yeah, always enthusiastic, always excited. Yeah, and uh, yeah, love that guy.
2: And then Emily and the kids were here too, which was really fun. Jamie's so, wife, yeah, I got a little bit of time with them, and of course MJ was thrilled to get time with Benjamin, and so it was it was good. It was really fun.
1: Wow, well, it looked great. I got to tune in a couple of um, times and watch the live stream, and it looked amazing. I'm just totally bummed I missed it. If if anybody's listening and they want MP3s from the conference, you can get them at gracecenter.us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just sounds like an amazing conference. I'm looking forward to listening to them. You then covered for me at the school. Yeah. I was supposed to be teaching on sexual wholeness. Yeah. Didn't get to.
2: No, yeah. I mean, you weren't well yet, so...
1: So instead you came in and you taught on intimacy. Yeah. We just
2: swapped weeks. I mean, I was scheduled to teach this week, so we just brought it forward.
1: And then you taught from the Song of Songs. Yes. And so when I went in on Tuesday and just kind of caught up with people, how was it? Apparently it was amazing. Apparently we had some students were just a mess in tears, sobbing. Mm -hmm. I spoke to one student today and they said, aside from the revelation that God is doing miraculous things today, I would say the revelation I got from Intimacy Week was the largest revelation I've ever had. Wow. I mean it's up there with God doing the miraculous, which I didn't know about. Wow. And so they were saying they were just astonished. So so talk us through what you do on that week.
2: Um, I start by talking about uh hindrances to uh pursuing intimacy. So things that would hold us back from actually being intimate with with the Lord or having that kind of relationship. So even, even if in our hearts we're saying, gosh, I really want to have this intimate relationship. I want to hear his voice. I want to be really close. There's things that we allow or uh, give place to that actually keep that from happening. So um, things like, you know, perfectionism or busyness or, you know, uh, shame, things like that. So we go through a bunch of those things and kind of break agreement with them and, you know, ask the Lord to come and speak into different areas. Um, And then um, speak about keys to connection, you know, both horizontal and vertical and that sort of thing. Um, And then in the afternoon, we spend time just talking about, okay, you hear people say they spend time with the Lord. What does that look like? You know, what can it look like? What typically do people do when they're having a God time? How can you form a regular pattern of having a God time you know, all that kind of stuff. So I just answer a bunch of questions out of actually sitting down a number of years ago with a whole bunch of different people and saying, when you spend time with God, what does it look like? And there's so much freedom in that because because they were all different. I mean, Mm -hmm. these are, you know, generals of the faith, if you will, and they're all doing different things. I mean, some things are consistent, but other things are like, Oh, wow, you go for a run and talk to the Lord while you're running. You know, or right. right. (laughs) You know, or you know, so different things like that. So I was like, oh, so I just sort of passed along all the information that I had gathered in order to bring some freedom in having a relationship with the Lord without punching a time clock with God. Um and then teach them how to pray the Bible, all that kind of stuff. And then on uh, Tuesday we go. Verse wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, wait! You just glossed over. I teach them how to pray the Bible. What's that about?
2: Um, that's actually a teaching from Wesley Campbell in uh, BC. He's from BC, and He's from
1: before Christ.
2: <laughs> British Columbia. Oh, I see. And uh, it's a teaching where basically it's it teaches you how to pray. So it's things like set a time. Uh learn the language, um, picture God, so things like turning to the passages like the Theophanies and that kind of stuff, and having an idea of what's actually going on in heaven and um and then uh, learning the languages, pray scripture basically, and then pray standing or pacing and pray out loud. So there's those are his five keys to learning how to pray. So we talk about all those. And then we actually do it. So
1: I would say I don't do all of those. I do some of those, but I would say the, the greatest move forward in my prayer life is when I started praying out loud. Same. Or when I started writing out my prayers, like most of the time when I'm journaling with the Lord, when I'm talking to him, I'm writing down what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But before I ever learned that, just praying out loud made the world a difference to my prayer life. Yeah. So I'll yeah. throw that out for free.
2: Yeah, it's great. Um, and then on the Tuesday, uh the for the whole morning we go verse by verse through the Song of Solomon. Now
1: you have an interesting history with the Song of Solomon. I do. You once upon a time loathed that book. Oh, I just despised it. I just <laughs> That's really strong language for I, the word of God. But I why know, didn't you like it? I
2: know. Well some of it was the language, some of it was like there was um You know, there were some people I knew that were totally into the Song of Solomon, and usually those weren't the same kind of people as me, if that makes sense. They were the
1: type of people who'd wear wedding dresses to the Bride of Christ conference.
2: Yeah, that kind of stuff, or, you know, know, always talking about, oh, you know, isn't Jesus dreamy? He kisses me with the kisses of... And I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, it just all seemed very...
1: Uh, Artists who farts the airy
2: Yes. And like, I know you like to wear pink and ruffles and stuff, but you can have the Song of Solomon and I'll take anything Paul wrote, you know, <laughs> it's just like... So no judgments. <laughs> of cor- course, a whole bunch of judgments, just laden <laughs> with judgments. And then in addition, it's like, you know, you'd read stuff like, oh, your, your teeth are like little sheep and, you know, your hair is like a flock of goats. And I'm like, gosh, is that a compliment? Like this, you know... I just didn't get it. So,
1: yeah. But the Lord took you to it one day, didn't he?
2: He did. Yeah.
1: And now it's one of your favorite books. Yes. And you have a teaching that I have never heard anybody else teach on Song of Songs. Yeah. And I love when you teach it. And not unfortunately, but in order for you to teach it well, you really do teach every single verse of the whole book. Yes. Yes. And then the revelation you bring forth has elicited gasps from your audiences all over the world. Yes. And too bad we're not going to talk about that. I
2: know. (laughs) I mean, I've been trying to write it into a book and I've started twice and it hasn't matriculated into anything. Matriculated? Is that a word? Did I just make up a word?
1: Matriculated is something you do when you go to university. (laughs) So it is a word.
2: Okay. It hasn't...
1: Articulated?
2: I don't know. It's... It's not a book yet. <laughs> so, I mean, I know I need to restart that.
1: But. What's it like taking a room full of people through a book verse by verse?
2: Uh, it's equally fun and slightly stressful. Like, it's, it's fun. I know the book really well. I like the Song of Solomon. I've read it in every version. Um, but it's also probably the most disagreed upon book in the entire Bible and scholars argue about it. And every commentary has something different to say about it. So yeah. I kind of start by saying, Hey guys, I'm not the sole authority on this. i might be able to answer questions. I might not, you know, I might have opinions that are different than yours. That's fine. You know, but let's look at it together. Cause I think that's the only way I can approach it uh, with integrity because I think you know, greater people
1: than me have tried to do it. Well, what I also love, I've listened to you teach it many times, and I love that you don't have an ax to grind. Mm. So people will often stand up and, which is what you want in that context, because you're doing, you know, like a group discussion. Yes. But people will often stand up with like a very strong willed, like, well, I think this means this. And you're like, oh, okay, good. Like, you don't feel the need to defend your view of it. You're like, oh, there's so many different ways of looking at this. That's, that's yeah. fine. Here's why I personally don't think that. Or, yeah. oh, that's good. I'll, you know, chew on that. And I, I, it's really refreshing rather than people dogmatically saying this is what it means.
2: Yeah. And it's quite it's quite fun, too, because sometimes people will highlight things that actually, even though I've read the song, gosh, I don't know how many times at this point, hundreds of times, um, I never noticed that. You know, so they'll point out something or they'll say, hey, in my... Bible and the you know side section it says that means this or whatever and you just kind of go oh well gosh that's great that makes a lot of sense actually and so just talk about that for a little bit so I I find that part really really fun Um,
1: well I heard our students got wrecked good Uh, I've watched grown men run out of the room in tears while you're teaching that because they're so moved by God's heart for them well, it's really where to go.
2: Thanks. I think that the end revelation, that of course we're not talking about because it would just take too long to talk about it, uh, is just super impacting in terms of uh, what it means for us. So I think that there's a lot of freedom that comes from it as well.
1: So, good. Yeah. So, from intimacy to complete disconnection, that's, that's, that's <laughs> an interesting segue. So, mm-hmm. while you were away teaching, basically carrying the slack that I'd caused by being sick, we were naturally completely disconnected. We, I mean, you would get up, get the kids ready. I was fast asleep. I would sleep all day. You would come in at night. You would be dog tired. You would just go straight to bed. We wouldn't really have any talking time at all. And after about a week of this, I'm back up on my feet. and We're trying to reconnect. I don't think we were ready for how disconnected we felt. Yeah. Like relationally, emotionally, physically, it was just this, like, what's going on? Yeah. And so we had this interesting revelation, didn't we? We did. By interesting revelation, I mean, we had a big argument and then we sorted it out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: this I'm is. I'm like, how are you going to phrase our interesting revelation? Because to me, I
1: remember. <laughs> yeah. It's not in tears, but okay. <laughs> well, basically, the premise is. What we realized is our marriage, I think marriages, period, work really, really well when it is a race to outserve one another.
2: Yeah. That's what Chip Judd used to say, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Make your marriage a game where you see who can outserve one another. Yeah. And I think our marriage is at its best when we're both giving towards it sacrificially with joy. Yeah. It's not that I'm demanding things from you to be sacrificial. It's that you're willingly, cheerfully... Giving towards the marriage sacrificially. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, or I'll take it from my side, that I'm doing things towards the marriage that's above and beyond what's asked. And there's a joy in that. You're just like, I just love my wife as Christ loved the church. And I'm you're making huge allowances for the other person's quote unquote weaknesses. And now weaknesses, I mean, they're doing things the way that you wouldn't do, or they're doing things slower than the way you would like it, or you're going above and beyond the extra mile, all that sort of stuff.
2: Or they're prioritizing a different order of things than you would or Absolutely. whatever, yeah.
1: Or you're serving them in areas you might not be interested in doing. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that in past podcasts. We've talked about, actually, if you want more information about the importance of connection, episodes 1, 65, and 95. We, we talked a little bit about this, so I won't belabor it. But what we realize in order for that to happen, there has to be huge levels of grace. Mm. So there has to be a ton of grace going. There has to be a lots of sleep and yes. eating well and energy. Yeah. Because if you're hungry, if you're angry, if you're lonely, if you're tired, basically the grace tends to vanish. And that's basically what happened over a week of us not seeing each other. You being busy, me being tired. Yeah. We, it's not we ran out of grace for each other, but things that we would normally be cheerful and happy about we were grumpy
2: well we weren't clocking any time with one another so right. exactly. there was then nothing to withdraw from There was no
1: right love tanks yeah. totally on empty yeah what we realized is when that happens we move from giving sacrificially to coming into agreement with the accuser of the brethren and realizing my needs are not being met and then start demanding that our needs are met yeah and th- then all you do is like are you kidding me
2: yeah Or giving begrudgingly and and mumbling and complaining the whole time that you're doing anything.
1: Right. So. Which does not produce great fruit at all.
2: And on a negativity fast, it's hard to get away with that.
1: (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah. And so what we realized is like, oh, oh, we're totally disconnected from one another. Yeah. Oh, we've had no quality time whatsoever together. Yeah. We're just not even on the same page. Yeah. And so... Because we were in this heated discussion, and then suddenly the heat the heat vanished, and it felt like we had clarity. Do you remember why that was? I don't. Neither do I. Maybe it was just Jesus.
2: <laughs>
1: probably. Well, I think what we realized is that both our frustrations stem from the same point, but from different sides.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we both realized, oh, actually, we're both quite good at loving each other, and we've just momentarily forgotten that. Yeah. I'm not sure what our point was, other than... It, Yay, was, it was
2: that kind of a day.
1: It was that kind of a day. <laughs> it
2: was, but that was short-lived and so it was fine.
1: Yeah, that was what, half an hour of our day?
2: hmm
1: Yeah, I didn't like that half an hour.
2: No, it wasn't a
1: great half an hour.
2: But. My eyes were puffy this morning.
1: Oh, from crying? Yeah. Yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, but look how good you feel now.
2: I do, and my eyes are not puffy anymore. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So there you go. That's our catch up for the week. I hope somebody got something out of that. One can only hope. (laughs) Well, I feel like I'm caught up on the conference. Oh, my shoulder
2: got healed this morning. Oh, talk about that. Well, um, Jeff, while he was speaking during second service, he, uh, during worship said, Oh, I have this picture of everybody standing inside the sanctuary with their backs, to the walls, those people that need any kind of healing. And, um, I was like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, so we're probably going to do that. I'm like, cool. And then Becky had a picture of oil running down the walls of the sanctuary. And so...
1: I see that all the time in our church. Yeah. All the time. Oil running down the wall. That's fascinating.
2: And then, uh, so Jeff, you know, he read some scripture verses and stuff like that. and was really encouraging people to connect with the Lord. And then he was like, you know, if you need healing in your body, why don't you stand around the outside? And I wasn't going to go. Like I was just sort of like, well, you know, I can, I can, uh, handle most of what I have to deal with in terms of what I'd like healed from. I'm not, I'm not desperately sick with anything. I just have some areas of pain. And then I thought, you know what? No, I'm, I'm going to go like, I'm going to go standing against the wall and so I stood against the wall, and I guess a couple of different people prayed for me. Still, don't I don't you know I had my eyes shut. I don't know who prayed for me, and and then I thought I felt like the Lord said, "Hey, try out your shoulder." Well, I so I went out in the hallway to do that because I'd have to wave my arms around like a maniac, right? Um, and I have what feels like almost full range of motion in my in my right shoulder now, which I didn't have.
1: That's incredible.
2: Yeah. So um, there's one. It, I still ha- I have full range of motion. There's one movement that I can't do with getting my arm fully behind my back like I used to be able to do. But other than that, it's and it doesn't even feel stiff. Like it's the best it has felt in probably a year and a half or two years.
1: Yay, Jesus. Yeah. So I, I, I heard a bunch of testimonies of people getting healed this morning.
2: Yeah, it was really great.
1: i tell you what was also really great was worship this morning. Yeah, it was fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. It was really, really the, the whole time in worship was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, live stream worship from November 6th. I'll put a link in the show notes. The worship was just absolutely incredible. Way to go, Hope's Troop. Yeah, just so good. Knocked out of the park. Yeah. It was incredible. Yep. And you know what? Another thing is our tech team led by Marcus Hendrickson do a phenomenal job. Yeah, they do. Like this, the mix this morning was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. I, I was just like, come on. That's ridiculous. All right, you ready for a listener's question? Yep. This is from Jill. Mm -hmm. This is straight up your street. I'm expecting a brilliant answer from you. Okay, the pressure. Okay. My husband and I have been married two years and are nine weeks out from welcoming our first baby into the world. Yay,
2: congratulations.
1: And of course, are so excited. It's a whole new adventure. We also realize that we will face many changes in the days to come. I would love to hear your thoughts on how kids change your marriage and how to keep your marriage in a healthy place when raising your family, in addition to balancing work and being pastors on top of that. We know our marriage will change, but we want to see it grow stronger and stay in love with each other instead of seeing distance grow between us as we've seen so many others experience. Thank you so much for your insight. We think you guys are the best. Thank you.
2: Um, well, gosh, I think there's a couple of different things you can do. One, um, prioritizing your marriage looks like, something so there's practical things that you can do um, to help that desire be a reality going forward so even things like if you can pick a regular night of the week that is your date night that is doesn't get uh booked over top of or whatever
1: which that sounds so cliched in christian but it's absolutely fantastic
2: it is fantastic i you know my aunt and uncle i don't know how long they've been married for at this point um gotta be 40 or 50 years. Um, I'm trying to think, I guess they probably be closer to 40 years uh, that they've been married. They have date night every Tuesday night. They have eight children and they've been married for decades and they still have a date night every single Tuesday night. And I think that's probably why they're married 40 years later, you right. know, cause they're even with eight kids this was something they were going
1: to prioritize. I'm surprised that the first thing that you said was prioritizing the marriage and not baby-wise.
2: Well, I was going to say baby-wise next because the question seemed to be more about uh, prioritizing your marriage. But the thing is, is I think baby-wise helps you do
1: that. In order to prioritize your marriage, you have to be a normal functioning human. You
2: have to be able to sleep.
1: In order to be a functioning human, (laughs) you have to have sleep. In order to be able to sleep, we highly recommend baby-wise. Yeah. That may be controversial to some people. I'm sure it is. But Babywise made it possible for us to have kids and to stay happy, I think.
2: And stay sane.
1: And stay sane.
2: Like we, you know, whether it was, you know, Abigail with our first or, you know, like Abby, we flew all over the world with her. And because of Babywise, because of having her on a schedule and because of, you know,
1: well, explain what Baby Wise so, is. So,
2: Baby Wise is a book. It's called On Becoming Baby Wise. I think the author is, his last name is Enzo. There's two authors. There's a link in the show notes. They're a Christian pediatrician and a Christian child psychologist who wrote it. And so, they talk about a number of different things. Their first chapter in the book is about the importance of your marriage and why your marriage sets the best, uh, a healthy marriage sets the best backdrop for any child. Uh, growing up, which I totally Bridge. agree, right? And then it talks a lot about the physical end of a baby. What is a baby experiencing?
1: Which end of the baby?
2: <laughs> All ends of the baby. <laughs> Both the smelly end and the cute smiley end. the noisy end. end. <laughs> the noisy end, yeah. Um, so it, it talks about scheduling, basically. It's talking about how to get your child... On a schedule and the the there's a bunch of reasons for that one if your child is on a regular sleeping schedule uh they'll be on a regular eating schedule and first of all they start sleeping through the night a lot faster but they're also happy mm-hmm. like kids that get enough sleep are happy and when they well, don't get enough sleep they're crying and adults can blame that them. get enough
1: sleep are happier than adults that don't get enough sleep
2: right but i think most people where a lot of people don't realize just how much sleep little tiny kids need, right? They or, need a lot of or sleep. or grown
1: men with viral laryngitis, mm.
2: right? I mean, I mean that's even worse, yeah. right there. Um, so the book talks about both like the physical stuff that happens and why scheduling is better for their body, uh, physically speaking, from a medical perspective, but also talks about the psychology of of all of that kind of stuff. So um, it is. Uh, it's great. It's not Dr. Spock stuff. It's not detached from your child and don't care of, about them. The idea
1: is you... Which there's a whole lot of fear-mongering that it is. Yeah, but I know. And having done it with all three of our children. Right. Our children are far from detached.
2: I mean, I've read websites about Babywise, and I'm thinking, did you read the book? Right. You know, because you what you're describing here, you didn't read the book.
1: Because that's not what they
2: tell you to do.
1: Yeah, and you're not doing baby-wise. Right. We also have some, you know, we've recommended this over the years to friends. And some people say, well, baby-wise doesn't work for me. And we say, well, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, no, that's not baby-wise. That's you inconsistently trying baby-wise but not sticking with it. Yeah,
2: baby-wise is kind of an all-in thing. You either do it or you don't do it. You can't do your own version of it because then you end up with you know, well, it didn't work for me. Well, it didn't work for you because you didn't actually do it.
1: Um, so I, I just love how black and white we are about when it comes to baby wise. Uh,
2: because I see for me, what happened with us was when we were pregnant with Abigail, we sort of looked around at a lot of the people that we knew that had babies, had little kids were further down the, the line from us. And I literally... For the kids that I actually enjoyed being around, which probably sounds horrible, but that were well-behaved, they weren't grumpy all the time, you know, they were normal kids, Right. but, you know...
1: For the parents that didn't look like they wanted to turn to alcohol for the rest of their life.
2: Right, like they were, you know, the parents that looked like they still loved being married, they were happy that they had kids, they were willing to have three, four, or five kids, as opposed to, oh, I had one and I can't take it anymore. Right. You know, that kind of thing. They... Every single one that I was around did babywise. And the ones the the parents or friends or whatever that I had access to that were like, nope, one and that's it, or you know, it was overwhelming, it was difficult, blah, blah, blah all of them hadn't done it. Right. So to me, I'm like, okay, market research. I'm gonna try baby wise. Now, in addition to just doing baby wise, when we started traveling, it enabled us because of the way baby wise works, because you are the parent deciding when the child is going to sleep because you're the actual adult in the situation. um, I could actually use the schedule and the timing of things to help Abby have absolutely no jet lag, even going to Australia. Like we went to Australia and New Zealand three times with her before she turned one and she had no jet lag whatsoever.
1: She was on 110 flights, wasn't she?
2: She was on uh, 106 flights before she she was a year old.
1: I exaggerate. I I beg your pardon. Well, you know, I just wanted to be
2: specific. Um, But she'd been in 18 nations. She'd been to Iceland several times, you know, and she just switched over really, really well because... She was used to sleeping on a schedule, and you can make that uh, work for her body in order to help her switch.
1: I think the most encouraging advice we got given, Jill, was from some friends of ours, John and Patricia Bootsma, who have like five, six kids—five
2: or six—I can't remember. And six maybe? when we were,
1: when we, when AJ was pregnant with our first child, and you, you don't know anything before you have a kid—you, you really don't. And I, I don't mean that in a patronizing way. We, we just didn't. But I remember Patricia coming up, and Patricia just said guys, don't listen to anybody with fearful things to say about having kids. Kids will fit into the life that you have. Yeah. And I thought that's such an encouraging thing to say. Yeah. And I found that to be totally true that kids really do fit into the life that you have. And so, Jill, my encouragement to you and your husband is congratulations. You've been married for two years. You may have even already had the baby if you have. That's fantastic. Let us know. Give us an address. Reach out to us via email. We'd love to send your baby something. Congratulations on that. But in all honesty, your baby will fit into your life. Just prioritize your life and the baby will follow. Yeah. And also read BabyWise.
2: Please, read BabyWise. It's going to help you a lot. Um, Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because obviously, I mean, I love... I love Babywise. I love helping people with with infants and help. You know,
1: how old was Abby before she started sleeping through the night?
2: Well, Abby was six and a half weeks premature, um, and she started sleeping through the night at nine weeks.
1: At nine weeks, ladies and gentlemen, In- nine weeks she started sleeping through the night. Yeah, T- uh-
2: and that's a that's eight hours or more. Right at nine weeks,
1: um. And, and when did they start going 12 hours a night? Like we would put them down at seven and they would by, wake up By at three months.
2: So by a month later, right. we'd put them down at seven, sleep feet around 10 and they'd wake up at seven.
1: And to this day...
2: They still sleep seven our, to seven.
1: Yeah. 12 hours a night. Our yep. kids go down at seven. It takes us approximately five minutes to put them to bed. Yeah. And that's just making sure they've cleaned their teeth. Yeah. And they're in their pajamas. Like today... There's, there's
2: uh, no fuss. There's no trauma. There's
1: no arguments. Today at 1.30, we had guests coming over. We had all the small group leaders over to our house for lunch. And I said to MJ before everybody arrived, MJ, it's time for your nap. I said, can you just go upstairs, get ready for your nap, dial be upstairs in a second to um, give you a kiss. I'm just going to sweep the floor. So I go upstairs about five minutes later. He's already got himself in the bed, pulled the duvet over himself, mm-hmm. and he's just smiling, waiting for me to come in and kiss him. Yeah, I walk, literally walk in, kiss him, good night turn off the light that was me putting him for his nap and he had a two-hour nap yeah and he also sleeps 12 hours at night
2: yeah and i think i mean we get lots of sweet comments about our kids and obviously everybody thinks their kids are awesome um and we think our kids are awesome but we get lots of sweet comments about their disposition i think a lot of it is just they get enough sleep I think I think tired kids are miserable kids because when my kids get two hours less sleep because we decided that we didn't have to honor, you know, we weren't going to honor the seven o'clock schedule. We needed to go and do something or, hey, let's let them stay up late tonight for fun. We pay for it the next day. Right. You know, so um, I think they're friendly because they get enough sleep.
1: All right. (laughs) Let's wrap up this bad boy. Yeah. The School of Supernatural Life applications are open it's open we changed things this year normally we don't open up our applications till january but we thought there's no real reason for that and so they're currently open so if you would like to come and spend eight months with us and we'd love you to starting next september the applications for the school of supernatural life are now open head over to graycenter.us slash school to find out all about the school how much it costs when it starts Uh, all that sort of stuff. And more importantly, to start your application because we'd love to have you join us for eight months.
2: Yeah, come on, it'd be great. We are also super excited because Grace Center is getting ready to do something called Project WOW, which is uh, essentially we are redoing the children's ministry wing or we're redoing a wing of our building and making it the new children's ministry
1: wing. Right, we're renovating how many thousand square feet? 16,000 square feet. 16,000 square feet just for children. Just for children.
2: And it's going to be themed and there's going to be a playroom and all this stuff. It's going to be awesome. It
1: is a half a million dollar investment into the next generation. And we would love you to be a part of it. I think it would be amazing for all those parents out there. Even if you don't come to Grace Center, I would encourage you to consider investing, sewing where you want to go. We as a church have spent years giving away money to other churches, to other ministries to bless them. And there's something wonderful about investing into the kingdom that isn't in your backyard. I just love that we've sown trees all around the world and now we're expecting our own orchard in our own house. If you would like to give towards Project WOW, go online at graycenter.us/ slash give. If you'd like to learn more about Project WOW, there's a link in the show notes to my gorgeous hot smoking wife introducing the whole topic, talking through plans, <laughs> giving you an idea of what we're doing. But But we'd love you to come and pray with us and give if you feel led. And we're super excited about
2: it. Yeah, we're so excited. So for show notes, go ahead and head over to alanandaj.com slash 126. If you are interested in any of the details of stuff that we were talking about, you can find all the links there. And otherwise, have a wonderful week.
0: Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan yeah. and AJ, oh, yeah. keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, they talk about faith and Under the sun. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.